Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. <laughs> oh, I hope you started it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so funny. I don't think anybody else on our... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on our companion feed's gonna get the, <laughs> gonna get their reference. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <sighs> All right. <laughs> Should we use that as the photo for the uh, for the? This, uh, they didn't catch that first part, did they? No. <laughs> All right. Oh, Welcome Cap- to the podcast. This is the podcast. <laughs> Jeez, that was funny. Ah, this is Catholic stuff. Father Nathan. Father Michael. O'Loughlin. Uh, Wario. <laughs> Princess Peach. Princess Peach. Oh, gosh. Oh, so funny. Now we can send each other uh, esoteric Mario Kart references over our uh, companion's feed <sighs> and make each other laugh. <laughs> it's always awkward. It's always awkward to come in on something when uh, people are laughing about something that you don't know about, but like... Just, <coughs> just know like there are very few people that can make me laugh, and <laughs> Father Michael's one of them. Oh gosh, uh, that's great! All right, welcome to the podcast. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Glory forever. We're, We're here doing a two of two, eating our. Is this the last one? Crunchy mint. Are we doing? This one is more? the last podcast I'm going to record before I go to LA. Yes. This is the last this is last one. Out. Yeah, because oh. I, I recorded two with Father John, two with Father Mike, and now two with you. Wow! And then uh, we can jump on if we if we get the uh, get to you know having a couple whiskeys in us and wanting to record something. Well, you're going to come back. Oh yeah, you're going to be back. around. We're going to find different excuses to get you yeah. out here. We've already scheduled yeah. something. Yes. Um, and uh, people already asked me. They're like, well, "Have you already bought your ticket to L.A. yet?" I'm like, <laughs> "I haven't even bought my ticket home for Christmas yet." <laughs> <clears throat> so, but yeah, we're going to do it. And please, I don't know when this one's going to come out, but uh, come visit me if you're in L.A. at the Byzantine Catholic Proto-Cathedral of St. Mary's on Sepulveda, north of Ventura Boulevard. Yeah. Google it. Find some sweet street tacos and take them there. Yes, and margaritas. Yep. And and I hear there's a lot of rooftop Bars overlooking the ocean, which is my new Whoa. favorite thing in the world. Yeah, he also likes rollerblading. <laughs> totally lame. In short shorts. In short shorts. And no shirt. And no shirt, and wearing one of those ridiculous <laughs> helmets. <laughs> That's a lie. I, I, I am not. I'm gonna have sh- the physique. I might actually shoot that thing when you leave. <laughs> Just an FYI. It's my little Chuck E. Cheese overlooking the. You can take him. Uh, you studio. can take him. You can take him. Or I'm going to shoot mouse. him. <laughs> I'm going to shoot him. Yeah, we are. We're in the throes of uh, despair uh, because you uh, can't tell by the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> oh man, we're. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I've I've had to admit to people like um, Olo gets home. Olo gets home after I go to bed, and he leaves usually before I'm done with holy hour. But we do end up spending uh, a fair bit of time, yeah. you know, kind of uh, sharing life and uh, talking to each other. And, um, you know, he's he's just really good. You're really good about just stopping by and just being like, hey, what's up? 
you know, just hearing how the the day's going and yeah. I mean, most of the time people don't want to know how your day's going. It's like, what's the next thing? You right. know, let me tell you about that and right. then I'm out. Um, but you just like the you like chilling. I honestly don't know how how some celibates just in- spend hours a day without engaging with anybody. I know it happens, and I know there's introverts. I know there's melancholic cholerics, and I know there's people who who uh, just you know leave leave the office and want to be alone. I just don't understand that at all. So yeah, <clears throat> I would say part of it's about control. You know, mm-hmm. like they don't need anybody to ask them whatever as long as they're in control. Yeah, they feel like they drive the conversation. They help other people. Yeah, you know, they don't need to. They don't need to busy them with the details of their life. And I don't mean to rip on those people, but like, I, I I am so insecure about if I don't if not getting any feedback on my life on the way I behave, the way I live my life. I I just don't feel like I'm doing it right. Maybe that's an insecurity thing. And I mean, we we always talk to Jesus about it, but I just Jesus speaks to other people to me, you know, absolutely, and into uh, what I'm doing. <laughs> what? Just remembering the beginning part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So it's like I, I I definitely process by talking it out, hearing, and uh, so it's been really good living here, obviously, and uh, and having that availability um, to me. I remember, you know, in college, always getting back to my room and always hoping my roommate was there, you know, and it was just yeah. like, you know, there's something about that. And it, when I lived alone, it was just I yeah. know there's nobody here when I get home. That's true. I yeah. I, I got the chance to spend uh, a couple hours with uh, Father Bobby Kruger, who's the pastor of St. Leonardo's in Berwyn. Um, and uh, uh, he was my roommate in college, uh. and he would be up. And we would just, you know, ask each other how the day was, you know. Yeah. Nothing like... No, like, sunlights and shadows or whatever. Right. But just, like, that sort of touch and base. Yeah. Everything all right. <clears throat> and the more time you spend with somebody else, the more you can realize, like, dude, he's stressed. Yeah. You know, he's um, he's pulling away. He's upset about something. I'm upset about something, the way I react to him. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that's good. It's a heck of a lot better than do- doing that than, like, you kind of half look up from your iPhone. Yeah. And it's yeah, just like, oh, hey, back to your life. Right. It's just like, screw that. And one thing I've realized is, you know, I think that one of the things about being a priest and being a celibate is is that there is a different kind of loneliness because we always have Christ and we need to rely on him. And that, that, that you, don't, you don't really hit the depths of loneliness if you, if you have Christ. Of course, you never do. But... There are there are a lot of really lonely people in this world, yeah. you know, and it, it's one of the biggest kind of banes of our existence is 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 that lack of community that is that you can really rely on. The fact that I mean, even like who Miley Cyrus and whoever just got got divorced, Liam. Or separated, Liam, yeah, Helmsworth. Helmsworth, and I just thought, you know, how do people? How do people? She's have, your parishioner now. Nice, Miley 10, Cyrus, ten percent Miley, ten percent. No. <laughs> <laughs> what tithe i'm just kidding oh um no no uh, miley if you listen to the podcast i will uh i would love to be your pastor in uh, sherman oaks california and uh what about liam liam oh, he's a uh, okay i don't know i don't I think just, he's catholic yeah. miley is i think is she really okay well anyway or maybe it's Katy perry come one come all um katie perry's catholic okay and then she just like bought out that convent from underneath the nuns anyway yeah, L- L- L.A. drama. I'm sure I'll be having enough of that in a bit. Yeah. 
I totally spaced what I was saying. Um, oh, like how how can people get in relationships and have n- and have get in a relationship, share a life, and not think it's going to be forever? Like it's just so human to say marriage is the, that you rest in the fact that that this is forever. I've heard many many couples when it, when it, when the counselor says to them, "You just need to look at the other person and say." It doesn't matter what happens. We're right. in this together, exactly, and that can be so freeing. Just like even if you're having the biggest fight in the world, if you just say, "We need to work on this because we're together for the rest of our lives," and again, if you're in an abusive relationship, you know, separate absolutely. But you know, there's something so human and divine and catholic about saying i rest in the fact that we're going to fight through this we're still going to be together and it's so easy so many people get divorced and separate nowadays i just go i don't get it i i i mean it's just it's so restful to have that real deep community and that's why this you know moving away from the companions is being so hard for me and on on it's just a friendship and, and community level but um but you know we celibates by the fact of our ordination have I think a unique bonding to Christ, and I, I'm you know I I think it's different than those who are not consecrated celibate, and I think that 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 allows for a certain um, freedom from certain kinds of existential loneliness because we are bonded to Christ and Him alone in many ways. So yeah, hmm. so it's tough. I mean, we don't want to say that we've got it all figured out, <clears throat> but um, it's been really good uh, to have. At least somebody else in the house who is, I mean, how do I say this? That is willing to check up on the other person um, that's like-minded. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, you know, we I've lived with other guys before who I, I think we can agree on a number of things, but there's not the affability, there's not the ease of communication. So that's tough, yeah. you know, and it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you don't like each other or there's there's problems there. It's that you know you just kind of live together, but it's where's the community? Right, <clears throat> you kind of roommates instead of you know in a common life. Right, yeah. And if I could do it all over again, I would do certain things differently. You know, just make sure, like yeah. I was saying, you're like get up earlier so that you know we can have a little more time. But um, anyway. How was the sisters today? Oh, that was rough. Uh, I mean, it, it was beautiful. It was just the sisters of life. I had my last mass for them, yeah. and uh, it was awesome. I loved it. Um, shout out to Casey Morochek. She came along with me. Um, my one of my spiritual daughters that was is um, just wanted to see the mass and celebrate mass with them, and it was beautiful. Um, and uh, anyway, Katie wasn't able to stay for lunch, breakfast. I had bre- breakfast with the sisters, and we had just a great conversation. They're so affirming. They would call me their chaplain, even though I'm not their, technically their chaplain. Um, and when we were done with breakfast, they sang me this beautiful song that really kind of like twisted the way and changed the way that I'm going to sh- say goodbye to my parish. Because yeah. they said, we want to sing you a song. This is the Sisters of Life here in Denver. That We want to sing you a song, um, like our, our goodbye song. And I was like, oh, this is, must be a Sisters of Life tradition. And uh, and they sang the song, and it was like, and it was kind of like this is a song of thank you, and I was like, oh, it's gonna be about thanking me. It wasn't about thanking me at all. It was about thanking Jesus for me, which yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. I thought 
That's exactly how I'm going to say goodbye to my parish on Sunday, but this is Thursday. On, on Sunday, I'm going to say goodbye to, my, goodbye to my parish by saying, I thank Jesus for you. Like, And that relationship is going to continue, even though I'm not going to be as close to you guys as, as I want to be, but my relationship with Christ is not going to change. You guys are going to change, and I mourn that, and it's it's you know heartbreaking for me, but I thank Jesus for you for what you've been able to do for me, for the way you've loved me, for the way that you've let me serve you, the way that you've let me, you know, bring you the sacraments, the Eucharist, hear your confessions. You know, I, I thank you for those things, but even more, I thank Jesus for those mm-hmm. things. And that's what the sisters really showed me by that song. And then I said, I have a second rectory in LA, and um, I'm going to keep that open for you guys. So if your nice. mother superior and Gomez decide to uh, send sisters to LA, Sherman Oaks. <clears throat> yeah. You're staying in my in my uh, big house. And then after the they got done singing, you're like, I would like to sing you a song. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be right here waiting for you. And I hope they would have laughed. And you know, whatever it takes or how my heart breaks, I will be right here <laughs> waiting for you. Now I got to go theologically deep, right? And not understand that you're singing a song. Oceans <laughs> apart. Day after day, and I slowly go insane. (laughs) I hear the laughter. I taste the tears, but it doesn't stop the pain. If I say you next to never, how can we say it forever? Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be writing or waiting for you. Whatever it takes or how my heart breaks, I will be ready or waiting for you. Have you ever tried writing a song? Oh, it's very difficult. You know them all. It is. I, I actually wrote one song. I wrote one song with Father Mason Fraley at oh, Mary Mag okay. that was amazing. Hmm. And we didn't write it down. Oh. And you we, don't remember it? No, oh, no, I don't. You remember like every other song that exists. I know. It was cool. Except was, your own. It was a really cool wow. song. All right. No, I agree. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I know your mom's upset. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, she got but, over it. She forgives you. But I would say, like, yeah, I think that's a beautiful gift that that they gave you and that you gave them, which was we were together for a time. Whatever I was able to give you was, you know, of God. Whatever doesn't last was probably just me. Yeah. And uh, if there's some amalgam of both, um, and you know, you're able to remember something of me in God, then praise Him. Oh yeah. Don't praise me. Praise yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. Thank God. And because him you always have in your... This sounds so corny, but it's true. You always have Christ with you at all times, of course, dwelling in your heart. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you can... The one you thank is the one that you continue to have around, and you thank him for those who you do not have around as much anymore. Yeah, so. I mean, um, you've never been a parochial vicar. Nope. So, like, you've never left a community. Right. So that would be really, really hard. Like, leaving Cabrini was tough. Yeah. I mean, I was excited for the next challenge, but it was also like, this was the first community that I really opened yeah. myself up to. Um, but being there for two years and then leaving is nothing compared to being here three years and now four years, yeah. and then possibly six years or 12 years, like, I'm just going to be like, like, mic drop. Yeah. Be like, I'm leaving, goodbye, click. Yeah. And then they'll be like, what? Yeah. They'll be like, sorry, and then I'll like go backstage. And 
<laughs> do a line of coke and, and just tell myself it's going to be all right. Turn on the Brian Adams. Well, it's funny because I'm 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 saying all the. Uh... I hear the laughter. <laughs> I taste the tears. Do you know what I was singing today? Huh. I was going to meet you. Okay. I was going to meet you because uh, you needed to get into the Watson Center. Yeah. And I was singing a very obscure Colin Ray song. Hmm. Um, if you get there before I do, don't wait up on me. I'll meet you when my chores are through. I don't know how long I'll be. But I'm not going to let you down. Darling, wait and see. But between now and then, until I see you again, I'll be loving you. Love me. Wow. That's like an old Colin Ray song that I used to I don't even know that memorize for my oh. ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work out. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Colin Ray, I think, is Catholic. What a good guy. Does he live in L.A.? Does he live in L.A. and does he, live in the, does he listen to the podcast? Yeah. That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if crazy. so, like, then, you know, we really have, like, brought everything go. together. What's his name? Colin Ray? I hate to say I don't know. What? I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. He's a great country artist. Oh, country artist. Okay. That's why. Anyhow. All right. Um, one boy, one girl. Two hearts beating wildly. To put it mildly, it was love at first sight. She smiled. He smiled. They knew right away. This was the day they waited for all their lives. For a moment, the whole world... Revolved around one girl and one boy. I don't think I could do that I for to, any song. I used to lay in, in my bed and dream that it was me and this girl, like <laughs> like singing this song to each other. What a loser! <laughs> what a pathetic loser! Uh, that song and Forty One by Dave Matthews Band. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. My new car has. Serious radio in it until it expires. Nice. I guess I have it for like a month until they stop paying until the dealership Agreed. stops paying. And uh, and there's a Dave Matthews Band station, and I I, wow. I swear I listen to that thing for more than half of my time. So I am giving up tickets to the Dave Matthews Band yes. concert just so I can come to your going away party. Thank you. Dave Matthews could it. like have overdose like before the next time. <laughs> I'd be really impressed if Dave Matthews gave up. Dave Matthews concert to come to my party. That would be cool. That would be awesome. He would probably be blown out of his mind. A private show. <laughs> right. But instead, yeah. we're just going to have Brian Larkin playing bits and pieces of different songs where he never actually completes the whole thing. <laughs> Drives me crazy. That is the style, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. But I tell you what, shout out to Father Daniel Eusterman. He rocked Sufjan Stevens on the... Um, oh. On the Companions Summer Conference. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. We were singing some John Wayne Gacy and For All the Widows in Paradise. It was cool. beautiful. I'm bringing so, a guitar with me in the attempt to learn it at some point. Oh, you're so cool. Shout I out mean, to- like, you, you'll just like, sit on the corner and just be like, hey. Busking. I need, I need money somehow. The taxes out there are incredible. Oh. I, All right. I'll learn as I go. All right. Do you have a topic today? I do have a topic. Oh. Okay. And it's based upon a homily I preached. And this happens sometimes where you preach a homily and you learn something during your Agreed. own homily. Yeah. So this is something that I learned during my own homily while I was preaching it. And I did not prepare it as well as I wanted to. And so I was just kind of processing as I preached, which I do probably too often. Anyway, so it was last Sunday, the uh, 1 Corinthians 4 9 and Matthew 17 14. So, um, 
it actually helped me reflect on the prodigal son. So what would you say, and this is in the scriptures too, what would you say is the rewards of a Christian life well lived while we're on earth? Virtue. So virtue is the reward of a Christian life well lived well here on earth. Yes. I would agree with you on that. Okay. And that's kind of the point. So I don't think enough people realize that. Wow. Because. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No. Do do you think that most of your congregation would give that answer? No. Right. I I, I would think they would say that the, the reason why you live a good life on the earth is so that you can get something later. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or God's going to give you good things here on earth. Kind of, Prosperity gospel. Yeah. Sure. So, in other words, in the story of the prodigal son, where you have the younger son takes half of his father's inheritance while his father's still alive, goes, you know, recklessly loses it all, dissolute living, lives with the pigs, comes back, apologizes. Dissipation and dissolute living. And then comes back, says he wants to be a slave in his father's house. His father welcomes him back with open arms, runs out to meet him. And the older brother, do you think, how would you explain how the older brother, how it was fair to him? The one who did not run off, did not take the inheritance, did not spoil it all. And the father says, you have been with me. You've had everything I have always. always. What is the true... Does that satiate you? Does that make sense to you? Do you say, if I was the older brother, I would say, oh, okay, there we go. Nope. Right. Nope. He's on my property. I was thinking about this the other day. The, the younger son is actually on my property now because he sold his property. Yeah. Yeah. So he's on my property. Now. Amen. Exactly. And so I have no time for pity. Right. Or mercy. Right. Like, those who would not work should not eat. Right. So if you want to be here, that's fine. Yep. Uh, congratulations. Thanks for coming home. Glad you're alive. Yep. Pick up a shovel. Start cleaning my land. Yep. Because uh, I've supported Dad while you were gone. Yeah. You didn't do anything. Yeah. And I think that would, most of humans would say that is the proper response. Absolutely. But. I would say it. Probably the just response. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The just yep. resp- and maybe not completely, but the just response would be to render to him what is his due. Right. Which probably would be some measure of correction, some measure of prop- propriety where like he would have you know, himself set up, but not the uh, effusive, overflowing, one could even say, munificent uh, response of the father right. for his son. Right. So, so mercy. what the, the older son lived a good life. He did not squander what his father had. He did not ask for his inheritance early. He didn't, a uh, good life? He lived, a, a good life is different than a law-abiding life, I think. Right, yes. I think he's, he didn't color outside the lines. Okay, so he lived a good law-abiding life. What, what should the older son have done? Yes, I'll just put it that way. What should the older son have done in the story of the prodigal son? I think, I think the question becomes, how did the older son 
mourn the younger son's departure when he was gone. Okay. Because if he'd actually mourned him as one mourns one who is dead right. and has come back to life, as the father said, hmm. then there is an, an, a wonder and amazement that the son is returned. Hmm. Instead, I think he always held resentment and bitterness towards this other for doing what he did to the father. Yeah. Yeah. I and like he, I don't think he ever, I mean, I've never preached on this. I, I, I have made such horrible decisions as a pastor right. where I give the best readings <laughs> to my deacons. Oh. I've given Good Samaritan, I gave Prodigal Son, wow. and then while I was gone, I didn't even think about it, but I scheduled my vacation over the reading of, um, I will tear down my barns and build bigger mm-hmm. barns. And then the God says to this man, you fool. It's one yeah. of my favorite readings. Nice. Um, so I, I actually haven't preached on wow. the Prodigal Son. Okay. But I would say that the older son lives in in acknowledgement of the debt that the younger son incurred, hmm. and he said, you will always have that in my mind. Yeah. Look what you've done. Yeah. And then look at the fact that I've done well, and I haven't done that, and therefore I should be better yeah. than him. Why would yeah. you love him in the same way that you would love me? Yeah. Because I've never done anything wrong. Yeah. I, that, that's beautiful. I never thought of it that way. My, my thought was the question for a Christian understanding the sacrifice of Christ and the self-gift of Christ, the question for a Christian is, would you rather have what the younger son received when he returned, a cloak, a ring, shoes on his feet, and a fatted calf with his friends, would you rather have what the younger son got or what the older son was offered? So the younger son got these things. He received from his father these gifts, physical gifts, tangible gifts when he returned. I think that the gift of the older son, if he had received them correctly, would have been the ability to be like his father. Yeah. I think the older son should have run after this uh, should have run right beside his father and welcomed his younger brother back. It's not, it's not just, of course. Yeah. It's overly merciful, but I think th- that that is impossible for a normal human being without supernatural grace. It's impossible to forgive that quickly and easily and to offer that much mercy. I don't think that's possible unless you have God's grace. And I think the older son was offered that. And I think for us Christians, it's important to say, would I rather have the ring and the shoes and the fatted calf or the God-given ability to forgive that quickly? So everybody wants, everybody wants the ring and the fatted calf, but we only we Christians want the ability to forgive that quickly and that easily. And so that is what is offered to us. The ability to be the older son, to be the, the father, to be like the father and to say, if I'm a Christian, do I want all the stuff or do I want the ability to forgive? See, I, I would see it as, and I'm not just trying to deviate from your question because I think it's an important question, but I think it, it boils down to, um, would you rather be Mary Magdalene or St. John? 
And I think that it's hard, given every person's unique circumstance before God, to say which one they feel more drawn to and which one they feel more sorry that they're not like. Um, So I think that the person who has never sinned greatly can't experience in the same way the overflowing mercy of Jesus. Yeah. The same person feels sorrowful that they can't unforget all of the things that they they can't forget. They can't forget all of the things that they have done previously. Yeah. yeah. And the the other one has no re- recollection of it. But that's the thing where it's like both receive mercy, right? And both receive grace, um, and are only capable of living their life because of the love of Christ. That's it. Yeah, and I think that's the question because both Mary Magdalene and John the Beloved lived extraordinary lives, and I think that's what we Christians don't understand and don't think about enough is that. We, we desire ordinary lives. It's too often that we say, I've behaved well, Lord. Give me what I want in an ordinary way. Give me what every human being wants. Peace and rest and you know, control and, and money and all these things. Like Those are the things we often ask God for, which is what everybody wants. And the scriptures are explicit. You know, even sinners love those who love them. Yeah. The, the Christian, should, we should be loving extraordinary things like the ability to have you know, 10 children and still be holy and still be faith-filled. Like the ability to live in extraordinary circumstances and still be at peace and faithful. And I think that's what this question is, is, is do we as Christians ask for the extraordinary or just the ordinary? The older son was offered what was extraordinary, forgiving his brother for a complete and utter injustice. The younger son, the prodigal son, was offered ordinary rewards. The older son was offered extraordinary rewards in a way. Yeah. And didn't 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 take him. He didn't respond, but it was offered to him. I think it's I think it's hard to look at both sons and not see that neither of them fully are capable of acknowledging or receiving the father's uh, exactly. extension of of compassion, mercy. Right. You know, um, they just don't see it. The no. father goes out to meet both of them. He goes out to the younger son in the in the path, and he right. goes out to the older son in the field. He goes right. out to them, and they respond differently. The younger son accepts the going out. The older son rejects the going out. The younger son doesn't... I don't know if he accepts it as much as it's totally unreasonable. It's totally irrational that the father should answer in this way. Yeah. That as he is rehearsing this whole thing, it's amazing that you're talking about this because I was literally thinking about the prodigal son today, Hmm. that the son rehearses his speech over and over. He's got it down pat so that when the father comes, he's already got it figured out. He doesn't need to hear his response because he already knows where his place is. So when the father comes to him and says, um, you know, like, you know, baloney, like put a ring on his finger and 
put sandals on his feet and, you know, take the fattened calf and slaughter it and all of that. He's like, it doesn't say that he said, this is amazing. It just says, uh, then the party began. Yeah. So my guess is he was kind of aghast and speechless, whereas the other son has has a speech prepared as well. Hmm. And we don't hear his response because it concludes with, you know, my son, you are here with me always. Yeah. Uh, everything that I have is yours. Um, but now your brother was lost and has been found. He has, um, what, he has died and has come yeah. back to life again. Yeah. Um, so then that's kind of where it ends. We don't know. And there is a there is a bitterness to it that one can receive it in an overwhelming and kind of irrational and like speechless way, and the other one we don't know if they can or not. Yeah, and um, that and given the given the state of the story and given why Jesus said it, I think there is some element of you know will people hear the same. Uh, father speaking to both sons, you are with me always, yeah. and you always have a place at my table. Yeah, um, and I, I just don't know if some people hear that still. Yeah, I, I think that there's something so beautiful about the fact that the younger son tries to control the conversation by saying, "I do not deserve to be your son anymore. I'm going to come back and live as a slave," mm-hmm. and that that gets shaken from him. I mean, I, I've experienced that many times where where I invite justice because of something I've done wrong mm-hmm. and mercy is offered instead. And it's, yeah. it, it's, it's a very interesting reaction and it's very interesting offer. And I, I want to offer that. I want to offer mercy when people expect justice. Um, but for the older son, he's just a very interesting case study because he, he was offered mercy without, I mean, he demanded justice for somebody else, but he never saw, at least in this story, that you know his own rejection of overarching mercy. But I, I do still think he was offered, the fact that he remained with the Father, he was offered the gift of being like the Father, of going out and greeting his younger brother as well. It just seems that, that that's a given, that everything the Father has was his, including the, the freedom and the ability to offer forgiveness, and but he didn't accept it. I mean, it. he didn't hear it. That's the thing. Like, it says that the older son was out in the field. Yeah. And he heard the sounds and asked one of the other slaves, so what's going on? And right. he says, your brother was dead and has come back to life again. Yeah. Your father has thrown a party because yeah. your brother was lost and has been found. That's where he discovers it. Right. So I wouldn't fault him for not being by the father's side and not looking for the son. Yeah. Yeah. According to the, the text itself, I, I get But in that. some way, I mean, somebody could say, well, why wasn't he looking for him? Right. Why wasn't he the awaiting? The father was. Yeah. The father was. Yeah. But it's kind of like, I mean, no offense. Like, at some point, you got to move on with your life. Right. Like, Tommy's not coming home from Lilith Fair 2009. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, he's just going to do his own thing. But, but there, there's a, there's a reaction. I think that's the, that's the real, um, 
moment of sadness is the reaction is so classically petty. Yeah. And when we feel kind of petty and short and calculated, um, it's usually because we don't feel loved. Yep. And we want everybody else to be measured in the same way that we've measured ourselves or mm-hmm. that we've measured others and just say, they don't, they don't count. Yeah. Because this is the way we do things now. Yeah. You don't just get to do that and then waltz right in. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. We try to define the measure. But at the end of the story, one of the sons is in the house and one of the sons is not. And that's probably the ultimate message. At the end of the story, the prodigal son is in the father's house, but the older son is not. in his house. That's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's the crazy thing is the older son refuses to go into his own, own house. house. Yeah. That's where it's like you have every right to access the same mercy. Yeah. But you won't do it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not I I don't know who's going to get in and who's going to get out, but I think that whole concept of what is the unforgivable sin mm-hmm. is the people who say I don't want to be forgiven yeah. and I refuse to be forgiven and I won't let you forgive me. Yeah. Um I just think that the whole economy of salvation hinges on we have to let God love us. Yeah. And if not, even if we kind of fight it, he will conquer. Yeah. He will actually win the day. But I mean it just won't happen in, in this lifetime and possibly even on this on this earth. That's that's such a very beautiful thing to say. It's just a short prayer Lord, I let you forgive me. Lord, I let you love me. And that yeah. can be so hard to say sometimes, but I think there's about a simple prayer that can be salvific. It's just opening up and saying, I know, I don't know, I don't feel it, but I hear this is what you want. Lord, I let you forgive me. Lord, I let you love me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a fascinating story. Honestly, I it's one of my favorites. Yeah. And um and I didn't used to see it as much as I see it now, but having heard confessions and seeing both people, both sides, and feeling both sides, yeah. and at times being the priest who's both, who's both the servant who's happy that the son is returned, mm-hmm. and the older son who's just like, who the heck are you right. to come back to the father's house and ask for this, yeah. or for you to come back and uh, receive mercy and be completely blown away, yeah. and be like, "That wasn't me. That wasn't Father Nathan. It wasn't Father Nathan that forgave you. Yeah. It was Jesus, and Jesus is the one who has taken away your sins." Yeah. So it's and a little both. Going back to the my thoughts on forgiveness from years ago, there's something about if. If Jesus has forgiven this person, then they are forgiven, and I need to acknowledge that. Yeah. yeah. And that's so hard to say, like, do, do I have a mandate to forgive? I really do. You know, Christ asked me, he's forgiven them. They are objectively forgiven. Do, am I going to go through the process of also forgiving them, which is the only just and merciful thing to do if God's already forgiven them? That's the, that's the harshness 
of the love of God for every soul. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's where we have to meditate on, um, you know, the parable of the two debtors. I really, I really was grateful the other night we heard a talk from this guy, Dan Angst, who's a parishioner of mine, and he talked about his addictions, um, especially in regards to sexual sin. This is all uh, from a public talk from his book. You know, he has uh, real gifts around this area because of the healing he's received. And he said, ultimately, it boils down to the, to the parable of the two debtors. You know, one man was brought in who owned 50 denarii. Mm. Another man was brought in who owned 500 denarii, mm. who loved the master more. Yeah. And he just said, I own a, I own a, I owed a million denarii, mm. and I was forgiven. And there's a part of me that hears that that just says, I wish I could experience that. Yeah. And yet, like, I've got about 500,000 denarii that maybe I'm just not acknowledging. Mm. And... um and maybe it's not 500000 but I tell you what, my resentment over my $5,000 debt is just as bad. Yeah. And, um, and he said, ultimately, it boils down to, will you let Jesus love you? Will you let Jesus forgive you? Yeah. So, could you be loved and be loved? Dun, 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 dun. Amen. That's Bob Marley. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever listened to his? Have you ever listened to Bob Marley's studio albums? No, I never had until having Sirius Radio. Oh, it is. I like his live stuff so much better. It's it's just I'm like wow. People listen to this first. All right. Yeah. Anyway, but I want to say um, it's going to be really hard to adjust to not having that kind of perspective on the podcast. Cause I think that you see well, like the, the outcast and the sinner and the, the one who's on the edge mm. and wanting them to like receive more and, kind of framing it in that way. Because uh, if I would say, like, who's more like the older son and who's more like the younger son? You're more like the younger son who never left. And I'm more like... the older son who never left. You're more like a younger son oh. who's wild who okay. never left the father's house. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, so. I'm more like an older son who's, like, you know, bitter and resentful yeah. and, you know... <laughs> Kind of like, oh, okay, we can have him back, but I tell you what, he better unload the dishwasher every freaking day and like yeah. go to the grocery store and buy some freaking tombstone pizzas. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's not goodbye. It's not goodbye, but it is like it's the end of an epoch. Yeah. What was our first one that we did together? You uh, and I? Hanging with hedonists was my topic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Kind of full circle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've covered a lot of ground. And, uh, you know, I remember John leaving and saying, you got a podcast with Olo and being like, all right, you know, I think I could do that. Yeah. You know, he's chill enough. Um, but 
yeah, just hearing about your family and hearing about the ministry and hearing about um, the things that kind of fire you up. And I mean, these are the kinds of things that are foretastes of the heavenly mm. conversations. Yeah. Where we get to hear, like, you know, it was this that actually, like, you know, changed me. Yeah. Just, you know, whatever that was called, uh, Surf Ninja. What was your... Oh, um, Tsunami Ninja. Tsunami Ninja, <laughs> yeah. My vocation But that story. was one of the first ones that you did, you know, and that yeah. was helpful. Hearing about how you almost got shot. Yeah. Um, Chuck E. Cheese. And that's what I've, I don't think I've said on the podcast yet, but my parish here is prote- Holy Protection of the Mother of God, and she is the patroness of the Proto-Cathedral, too. They, their yeah. feast day is October 1st. Right. So I'm going from protection to protection. Thank God. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Gobes. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. I don't know what else to say. We had some wild ones, man. Yeah. I had a crazy dream this morning. I can't remember what it was. But I was like, man, that must be because I'm nervous about Olo leaving. So... Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I I guess if do you have any do you have any like final thoughts on the purpose of the podcast? Why you why you took such a liking to it, or why you wanted to do yeah. it? I think it. If I'm concerning myself, I'm saying that I process everything, including what our Lord is doing in my life by talking it out. And so a monologue podcast would make no sense. Um, This podcast, I think, thrives because it is always a dialogue. And like we did these past two podcasts, neither of us knew what the other one was going to do before we started doing it. So we were processing by talking it out. And I think that's just a way that I learn and a way that I, I grow. And the fact that we record this and put it out to the world is kind of the beauty of what this podcast is because we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in the things that move us and the way that I process things, but also just pretty much saying, as soon as we put this online, it's out of our hands. We have no idea who's downloading it. We have no idea who's listening to it. People could listen to it and use our vulnerabilities against us. They could say, I know a lot about your life, therefore I'm going to you know, take your money, I'm going to manipulate you. I mean, those are vulnerabilities that we put at risk by putting all these things out online. And I have people walk up to me all the time, like I'm sure they do you, saying, I know everything about you and you don't even know who I am. Yeah. And and that that is true. This podcast is there's an immense vulnerability there that we share when we share our lives into the whole entire world. But I think that's what that's what I've loved about being able to do this regularly is saying that I love the life of vulnerability. I love the life of trusting others. Um, as you know, I've had that trust kind of thrown back at me recently a bit um, and had to kind of be a little more weary of who I share things with and yeah. and uh, and as vulnerable as I get with certain people. But there are certain things about the podcast where we just we put it all out there. And I think that, that that allows the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of the people who listen and in our hearts as well, of course. But that's what I appreciate about it most is that it's an opportunity to say, I have this thing in mind and let's go ahead and process it on and together, but putting it out there for people to listen to the process that we have of processing it and then, um, and then allowing the vulnerability that is good and beautiful and shared with the world. Yeah. yeah. 
I think it's it's much better to be able to share something that is un um, unformed and maybe a little less inarticulate yeah. than polished yeah. and um, kind of singular. Yeah. That this is my voice, this is my take. Yeah. You know, I, I hated listening to Jim Rome mm. because it was just like he was a sportscaster or whatever, and it's just like, this is my take. Hmm. You know, take it don't even take it or leave it. This is to who I am. Yeah. And it was just like there's no way in which it's just like I don't know everything. Right. Um and I just feel like in the times that we've had, um, we're trying to grasp what God is doing in our own lives and in our people's lives. And um, yeah, it's been a great grace. It's been a great grace to be able to kind of grapple with that. Yeah. And um, so. Yeah, neither of us were founders. So we we both were invited in later on. Exactly. And invited into an already relatively successful process and and, uh, podcast. And then make it better. Exactly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank God for that. Yeah. No, I, I think we have a real a real respect, both of us, when we came onto the podcast. It was because uh we wanted to be part of something that wasn't about us. Right. Uh but rather about uh the way in which it was done and uh sharing that with others. So I mean I, I literally just had a guy come up to me after mass the other day and said, I'm in town to dust uh prairie dogs. Hmm. Did you see that email? No. He's the dude that was in town to dust prairie oh. dogs because there was an outbreak of the plague. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. That was killing the black-footed ferret. Hmm. Um, and it's unique to Colorado. And so they had to save the prairie dogs wow. because the ferret feeds on them. Um, and he's like, I just wanted to let you guys know, out of all the things that I wanted to do while I was in Colorado, was oh. come out and see you. Nice. And... Um, so I just know that that's going to happen. It's going to happen in LA. Yeah. Um, and hopefully like it begins, you know, something new. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm not actually having, z- I'm trying to have zero expectations for that reason. Just to say like, it's, I'm, I'm really excited to see what our Lord does in my life and what I can uh, do for the Catholics and the non-Catholics of Los Angeles. I mean, and- I'm just going to be shameless and just say, Father Michael presently has no booze. In L.A. <laughs> I do not. That he is doesn't true. have any booze in L.A., and um, his cathedral is the proto-cathedral of St. Mary's. Um, it's called a Stock the Bar Party, um, <laughs> so he'll be out there in a couple weeks. Um, and so if we just had a steady stream of just random booze samples you know, going out to him, it would be a nice gift. Especially since I'll be a local like California booze. So a bunch of San Diego IPAs. California Honestly, beer. So one of my whiskey. parishioners, Mike Drum, is a beer attorney, and he gives me these beers. And that Mike Hess, Mike Hess uh, IPA. Mike um, Hess? Mike Hess is a kind of uh, is a brewery from oh, San okay. Diego. Um, Who's the lead singer of Social Distortion? I don't know. I thought it was Mike Hess. Could be. I'll look it up. But... Uh, but they, their one of their IPAs is amazing. So, so you're yeah. gonna you're gonna I, be well. I, taken, I like this. You're gonna be well taken care of. Bring me booze in California. But I mean, people go to California. People go to LA. Remember, live in California once, but leave before you get soft. 
Live in live in Southern California, but leave before you get soft. Live in Northern California once, but leave before you get hard. <laughs> How do you remember these lyrics and not your own song? Because it wasn't that good of a song. <laughs> okay. So what, what was the guy's name? Mike Hess. Oh, okay. The lead singer of Social Distortion is Mike Ness. And Mike Ness. Yeah, this is Mike okay. Hess. All right. But yeah, I mean... Take care of him if you're in California, if you're in Oregon, if you're in uh, Las Vegas. Are you guys going to be driving through Bullhead City, too, by the way? Uh, Joseph, my brother, and I. Yeah. Um, Are you going through? We're driving 70 through Utah, Arizona. Yeah, I'll have to look and see what the route is, because if you're at all near Bullhead City, I have a friend who said that you could stay with him. Well, we're going to stay one night somewhere on the drive out there. So, yeah, well, we're going to drive. So, shout out to uh, Trevor Williams. I am being foolish in my next assignment because yeah. I'm, I'm waiting until the Pirates play the Rockies, and uh, our good friend Trevor Williams is going to be coming into town, and I'm staying to watch the game on Thursday, hopefully party with him afterwards and before, and like then party. start driving on Friday morning to be there on Saturday afternoon to start my job on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 been a rough go. It's worth it, and we're we're gonna see him dominate when he comes here because yeah. I'm gonna pump him full of snooze, uh, <laughs> poblano, corned beef hash, and a pancake, and possibly sharing with his hands and mine um, a, a sausage pot pie. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. And then that if he starts that game. And pukes and, and off wins. the back of the mountain. I was going to say, and wins, you're going to say, that was because of the breakfast. <laughs> exactly. Game. Yeah. All right, Trevor, can't wait to, actually, your, this probably comes out after you after your game out here, but it'll it be does. epic. So. By then, you were like, pitched your perfect game. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. First, is it Polybius? I guess it'll be his first perfect game. Any, um, any thank yous that you want to give? Oh, goodness. Uh, thank you to all the podcast fans who have written amazing letters. I'm still going to be on the podcast. I'm, I'm not saying all my goodbyes, but like, like just who have written us handwritten personal letters always blow my mind that, that you guys just hold us in such high esteem guys that live halfway across the country or the world. And, uh, and, and just because of what our Lord as, uh, is speaking through us. Thank you for those who have given us gifts and written us letters and prayed for us and written us on social media and uh, a big, just massive shout out to my family, of course, who I'm leaving uh, to go to California. And uh, a massive shout out to Holy Protection, the Mother of God, Business Catholic Church, Father Brian Escobedo, his wife, Pani Janet Escobedo. And they're, they're taking my kids and caring for my kids. So uh, thank you, Father Brian, for being a, a holy man who desires their holiness as much as your own. And uh, leaving the parish in good hands. So, and a shout out to the parishioners of the Proto Cathedral of St. Mary in Sherman Oaks. Uh, looking forward to shepherding you guys. Get and ready. I'm excited and I'm honored to be sent to the Proto Cathedral. That is an immense honor that my bishop believes I can handle such an uh, epic parish. A so. lot of people have, I mean, uh, uh, the percentage of people who are at that cathedral, I have no idea how many listen to the podcast, but I'm guessing it's around zero. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So um, they will soon find out. Kind of like some... my parish, because like, they were like, uh, yeah, you're Father Nathan. You were at Cabrini. And then all of a sudden, somebody's like, oh, my gosh, it's Father Nathan. Ah! And I'm like, I'm kind of a big deal. 
Yeah, I don't think anybody out there cares. So it, it's just good. I got to earn their love. Which sure. I'm, I'm willing to do. I'll, tr- I'll do it. Yep. Right. Uh, I guess I want to just give one shout out to uh, the family from Birmingham, Alabama, who I met at D Deli. Um, mm-hmm. They were out. I think their last name is Baumgardner. Um, they're from Birmingham. Uh, they're, they were out on vacation with their two daughters. They were not expecting to sit with anybody, especially anybody who was sweating and wearing spandex. Um, and, uh, and then they had lunch with us, kind of, you know, because anytime you push two tables together and you're with me, like, I'm just going to start asking you questions. But at one point, uh, Sunit Zaleski said, they don't even know who you are. Like, they don't know that you're a big deal. And I'm like, I'm not a big deal. Like and they kind of looked at me like you're not a big deal. Like stop <laughs> pretending that you're a big deal. If you're if you're out there, I really don't remember your names. <laughs> I'm a big deal. This is Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Uh, thank you again to Father Michael Lachlan. We know that you're not leaving forever. Yes, um, but you are uh, expelled from my house. So sadly, I'll take it. You are allowed one free drink every three months. There we go. Come back and I'll crash on the couch instead of my room. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Love you all. Thank you. God bless. Cheers.